that looks at the liturgy of the church for the week ahead and music inspired by it with me tim hutchinson and with me nick swarbrick and it's our one year anniversary today which i'm really quite chuffed about that is Um, quite amazing isn't it it is apart from the odd week here or there we have managed probably something like you know 49 50 weeks of of uh, doing the liturgical looking glass i hope people are still getting something out of it um i'm certainly enjoying it immensely what about you tim oh yes as always and i was remembering the fact that we did have our little don't say the a word last year when we began so that was a something of a marker for me so um yeah. i wonder did you say anything about about this did you anticipate not saying the a word in previous episodes seeing as i was we here? talked briefly about it last week um i left it open as to whether we were going to set ourselves the same challenge again this year what do you think uh, well, I generally do it for myself, so yes, I think it's uh, it's something that I'll carry over onto the on-air things. And for those who are wondering what the A word is, um, it's not a rude word; it's actually a wonderful word. Um, and excuse me, <clears throat> and it goes to the melody of, <laughs> and I think that if that doesn't give it away, then you have a lot to learn on a program like this. We did say goodbye to them last week by by uh, having the Teze Laudate Dominum, which has quite a lot of them in. Um, uh, so so we, we, we said a, a final goodbye to, um, if you like, the Easter word. Um, uh, last week, so we don't need to uh, we don't need to tread too close to it this time. Okay. But it's worth our remembering that we're missing something out here on purpose. This isn't just a, a sort of quirk of ours. The church is also missing this word yeah. and genuinely missing it, not just um, you know not using it. But you have to ask yourself why. Maybe we'll ponder that during these next few weeks. I think that's that would be a good thing to do. Mm. Tim, before we get more chatty shall we start with the prayer (laughs) yes let's do that all right so in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen grant almighty god through the yearly observances of holy lent that we may grow in understanding of the riches hidden in christ and by worthy conduct pursue their effects through our lord jesus christ your son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the holy spirit God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So that was the collect for this coming Sunday. Um, yeah. I do like the Lent collects very much. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, anybody that is still with uh, Radio Maria at uh, 11 o'clock will hear me going off on one about collects. So I, I shall try and restrain myself now in the hopes that I might get some listeners at 11 o'clock. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, um, so that's uh, Nick will be doing uh, Saint of the Day live today at 11. So do stay tuned for but that. But we have to remember these collects are probably some of the most ancient liturgical prayers we've got. And I think when you when you listen to them, you have to. I, I I like to use my imagination here and just imagine what it must have been like when some bishop came out with that yeah. in maybe even as early as the second century, and some you know deacon reminded himself, I have to remember that one, right. and wrote it down. And then you know the new bishop came and said, What do we do now? And someone said, Well, we've got this prayer here. You know all those kind of. <laughs> Sociological bits as well as theological bits that, that that join together to give us these absolutely powerful prayers, which I think are, are wonderful, wonderful, yeah. wonderful things. Yes. So, what have you been up to while you've been away? We've yeah. we've we've been relatively well well behaved. No running with sisters <laughs> or anything like that. But um, we had a good time with Father Bruno last week oh. talking about. Um, uh, music and the liturgy, which of course is at the heart of, of the liturgical looking glass. And he said some amazing stuff about the responsorial psalm. And yes, I want to hear about that. Um, I, uh, I didn't say get it again. A, I said I didn't get a chance to, to listen to that. I actually just missed the rebroadcast last week of, ah. of your conversation with Father Bruno. Um, I had the incorrect times and with daylight, oh, well, not daylight savings, the difference in time zones, I got a little bit confused. So I was down in South Africa where I'm from for a three-week uh, holiday. Um, after a very, very busy Christmas season, I, I needed a bit of some time off. And I saw um, family, which was lovely, uh, and my goddaughter. And um, yeah, in terms of liturgy, it's always, uh, I always find myself missing uh, England and Cambridge when I'm, when I'm in South Africa. But I was in a little parish in uh, Rosebank, Johannesburg, and I was very pleased to find that they did the Orbis Factor on a Sunday morning. And I was so pleased. I actually got out my the uh, Square Notes app on my phone. I don't know if you know this app, Nick. No. It's Tell a, us about Square Notes. So it's a, it's a great little app where you can... It's basically got all the, the chants that you need on it, you know, the the different Kyriales and... Um, not sure if it goes so far as as the graduale, but it's been put into an app format, and so you'll find you know the tantum ergo and the, the common hymns and things like that, and you can also play them. So it has a function where if you don't know how to sing them, it'll it plays the notes uh, for you. That's interesting. Um, I'm following a group at the moment on Facebook where. Over and over this last week, people are saying, I'm leading the choir this length, Lent. Where do I go for this kind of music? Yeah. And this is probably the kind of place that they need to go. So this is Square Notes, just as an app. That's just what it's called, yeah. And so I took it out and I got the Orbis Factor because, I mean, I'd like to say that I know it, but, you know, one always finds you, you trip up here and there. And then proceeded to sing it um, quite heartily. And I think the people around me were a little bit surprised that they probably thought one of the choir members had, had arrived late and was standing among them because no one else was singing in the congregation. I, I read a very interesting book once called Why Catholics Don't Sing at Mass. And uh, it, it's, again, it's one of those things where we're caught between... Um, 
a desire for a lot of people to sing and the complexity of some choir music but also a basic fact that we don't sing these things regularly enough yeah. for people to pick them up yes. um, so we rely on on hymns and i know that when i choose the hymns at the 9:30 at blackfriars here in oxford i wouldn't want anyone to trace how few hymns i do out of out of the hymn book i suspect i i stagger around 20 which okay. is not a great deal when you consider there's hundreds and hundreds of things in there some of them it must be said you know perhaps out of fashion some of them um in some ways quite unsingable by congregation but even if you take out those you're only taking out maybe 20 30 hymns what am i doing with the rest of them yeah, yeah. Um, and the same is true of the chant the more you do the chant the more people will pick it up yes that's very true yes and you while i was gone you had an episode with uh, father bruno clifton which i'm i just mentioned earlier and i'd love to hear it and you said that you learned something about the responsorial psalm well, his view, um, or at least he proposed a view from some of the younger brethren when he'd been working with them on preparing for uh, the Sunday liturgy, was that we shouldn't look at the responsorial psalm in the way that traditionally, if you like, for the last 40 odd years, I have done and seen it as a responsorial psalm because it's got a response in it, mm -hmm. which is as a responsorial psalm because it is the psalm responding to the themes of the first reading. Right. And when you see it like that, and when you, you know, there's this awkwardness or sometimes really nice juxtaposition um, uh, with the second reading. If you think about the, the first reading and the gospel, and then the responsorial psalm links those two by responding to the themes in the, in the first reading. And the reason that it's responsorial is because it is a psalm in response rather than a psalm with a refrain to it. Yeah. And that kind of made me think, how much of this have I not really thought through? Yeah. We were so um, wrong-footed by the invention of the responsorial psalm, and I think that that's, that's, not a, that's not an understatement to say there were parishes where people were saying, I just can't get this, I just don't understand how this works. That we, we came to the idea that it was all about that response. And some of them uh, in the old translation and in the new one that we're coming into are quite wordy. They're hard to remember. So people were, it was assumed people were having missiles or that were having mass sheets. You know, that a lot of kind of techn technology was, was employed to get people to know these psalms. And certainly for a while, I used, um, it, because in quite a lot of the psalms, the alternative is to use the Easter word as a response. That was the <laughs> easiest way than yes. in the days, justice shall flourish and peace till the moon fails, when nobody has it in there, has it in front of them. You know, it, it's it's an <laughs> it's an interesting thing to think about. What do we do with these uh, with these responses? How do we set them? And what do we do in the new translation, which is coming in? You know, are we going to use the old translation of those where sometimes they just don't match? Um, should we be looking uh, ahead by, I, I guess, several years, possibly even beyond my, my lifetime, given the, the slowness of the, the production of liturgical books uh, for the new translation of the breviary? Or should I start saving my pennies now because I'm sure it won't be cheap? You know, we've got lots and lots to think about when we think about the responsorial psalms. And from in terms of the music, I think what what uh, Father Bruno and, and Anna Fleischer and I were kind of discussing was you know, the way that we sometimes do these psalms 
um, within the, the, the current Dominican tradition towards the psalm tone, it means that the response is a lot easier for yeah. people to pick up. So if it's if in his days justice shall flourish and peace till the moon fails, we've got it. We don't yeah. need to worry about a new translation, a new setting. Um, although, you know, here's hoping that people like um, Father Bruno, maybe even you, because I've been listening to some of your music while, while you've been away. Um, uh, maybe it's people like you that will, will be setting them to music that people will remember for, for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting challenge. I've heard something about the responsorial psalm that surprised me, and I'll, uh, this will be the last comment before we play our first piece of music because we <laughs> we are getting rather chatty, aren't we? Is that it wasn't actually supposed to be a psalm with a response. It was supposed to be sung entirely by the the faithful and that the response was added uh, for those congregations that might be illiterate, that wouldn't be able to have a um, have the a mass sheet in front of them. Now, I'm not sure if that's true, but it, have you ever heard that before? I've not heard that before, though it reminds me sharply of why there is a double bar line in um, the early metrical psalms, and that mm. is so that the pastor can shout out the next line, you know, um, Everybody you know, bashing, bashing on with, um, oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for year to come, our hope for year to come. <laughs> so everybody could do it without needing to buy hymn books, without the parish needing to provide to, to provide them. And it's, it's, it's an interesting thought. What do we do with the Psalms? Um, I do, did wonder last week whether in fact we should go to metrical Psalms at, uh, at that point. But I do know that I've come into some criticism in the past for for using metrical psalms at that point, particularly in the Easter Vigil. Yeah, well, but, it's the it's the fate of anyone who's involved in liturgy. You're gonna go, you're gonna come under fire from some group at some point. But it leads me very neatly, said he, giving away his segue here, that what we're going to listen to first is. Um, is a psalm set to a, a modern setting. It's the Hillbilly Thomists. Um, their, their song, Our Help is in the Name of the Lord, begins with the line that begins most of the office, Oh God, come to my assistant. And here it is. Um, here it comes.
they have it. The hillbilly termist singing, Our help is in the name of the Lord. And now I forget which psalm that's from. Nick, do you know uh, that? I'm glad you asked me, Tim. Um, <laughs> uh, I can look it up. And isn't it weird? I say that verse every day. And actually, it was only listening to it then that reminded me actually how desperate that psalm is. Um, I'm going to have to look that up and maybe read it slowly to myself um, at sure. some point. I mean, just just so that we can show that we, we're not completely in the dark. Uh, you know where who it was who kind of um, made it immortal in the in the divine office well i've got two versions of that okay the, the, the one is that of course it's it's in the rule of saint benedict but also um it, john cassian yes. suggests that the the prayer that we know these days as the jesus prayer is uh, was in the west when he when he brought it from from the east was actually deus in adutorium meum intende domine ad adjuvandum me festina that's what you said and i've often wondered about a whole pile of monks coming in you know paying out a rosary through their bleeding fingers as, as thomas merton has it at one point um where you know people are saying their rosary they're muttering it quietly to themselves and actually the president you know the abbot stands up and rather than knocking on his desk or whatever in the in the uh, the the medieval fashion actually sums it all up by starting it with, and everybody joins in with that mm. it's the, it's the summation of their private prayer as well as the continuation in is that your is that what you've understood by yeah by so I, it, comes from? it was from cassian uh, and then taken up by by uh benedict in his rule yeah yeah that's... Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? That somehow this is a continuation of prayer and that the office is not separate from um, uh, uh, the, the, the rest of the prayer that we do. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Should we move to our second piece of music? Yes, and a really lovely sequence. Um, explain where it fits in and why we're listening to it. Okay, well, this is one of the pieces of music that uh, is recommended. At one point, I think it was the piece of music used in the distribution of the ashes. Uh, the, the text is very simple. Parce Domine, Parce Populator, spare our Lord, spare your people, be not angry with us forever. It is a line of, um, a, a line of penitence while people are, are readying themselves or signing up for the, the, the Lenten discipline. But the reason that I've chosen this particular version is that this is the Lent antiphon sung by the American monks of Christ in the desert. So this is the song of the desert itself. This is brethren from within the Benedictine tradition singing in the desert for us. You know, I, I feel that they're they're a beautiful, architecturally beautiful community. They have not produced nearly enough music for me to to um, to, to dive into because what they do is quite good. But here we've got them just doing a, a simple uh, parce domino, parce populo tuo um, from their album, the 2006 album, Blessings, Peace and Harmony. Here it is. Parce domine. really lovely. Do you know anyone who's tried to put this to uh, 
put English settings to the same melody. No, but it wouldn't be. It doesn't sound like it would be too difficult to me. Mm. Um, a bit like the Attende Domino, which is the one that I think has become um, much more used in in the in the modern version of the right. But I think that the you know it would be possible to do that. Um, it wouldn't be impossible to do. Of course, we've now got over nearly a year to, uh, to to get it right for for next time. But maybe it's a challenge for somebody. I think it yeah. would be it would be a great one. The the attende domine, which I'm sure we'll we'll play at some point in in Lent. You know, the hear us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have sinned against you. It works very well. The the verses in between cause a little bit of a difficulty, but there are several notes that are repeated where you could you know you could put extra syllables in. It wouldn't be impossible, I would have thought, to do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good challenge if anybody wants to take that up. Um, or, or indeed if people know that there's one already out there. Sure um, I have a collection of papers from the uh, the, the uh, Anglican Sisters of Wantage um, in which they tried to go through a large amounts of the gradual and translate them into English. So rather than doing what the common, the simple English propers have done, which is give us a chant-like tune or a, a tune that, that harks back to the, to the chant, they did actually translate the words and give us um, uh, give us the chant as well. So the Miseris Omnium, the um, uh, intro for, for last Wednesday, they have us. Thou hast mercy on all things, O Lord. Some of them uh, are trickier to sing because mm -hmm. of the, the way that English prosody works. But some of them work very well, and that one particularly does. Maybe they've done it. Maybe I ought to rifle yeah. back through my box of that stuff. That's quite clever. And... I, is this the one where they don't actually change the melody at all? So it's almost like you've got the the Latin melody and then you've got the English one underneath the Latin. The, the English words will should fit so that if you were singing the Latin or the English, you would you'd get to the end of uh, get get to the end of a phrase at the same time. Okay. And um, they did some very very good hymns, um, most of which I think are um, either part of the English hymnal or were um, um, were drawn from the English hymnal. I'm not quite sure whether they contributed or whether they drew from, but the, the, the hymns are very good and some of the antiphons work very well. Some of them, the, the, the stuff that we would have listened to last week or the week before for Candlemas, slightly, slightly less so. But, you know, it, they, they are worth looking at. And if anybody finds them anywhere in a second-hand bookshop and are wondering what to do with their choir and Gregorian chant and people are complaining about the Latin, there are some beautiful melodies there being reused mm. without too much violence to the music or, or in fact, like I said, the English prosody. Um, yeah. That would work well. But shall we move now to a, a, a longer piece of chant? It's not exactly a longer piece of chant, but it is the... the um, the introit for next Sunday, um, which is invocabit me et, exa, et ego exaudium eum. I'll talk again in a little bit, if that's all right, about the psalm that's being used here. But this is at least the introit for, for, for Sunday. And I think it's worth listening to the quite restrained melody that we've got going on here. Um, this is, in fact, Fulvio Rampi and the Cantori Gregoriani, which, as I've said before, I'm never quite sure whether or not the Cantores, but never mind. Um, but it's their album, Dominus Redemptor, and it's a lovely piece of music. So the English for that is, When he calls on me, I will answer him. I will deliver him and give him glory. 
I will grant him length of days. And that's from Psalm 90. I don't know anything about the Cantori Gregoriana. No, neither do I. Um, I. I can presumably look look them up. It's just interesting that they use the word Cantori when the word is Cantor in Latin, and I'm not sure quite what they're emphasizing with the word Cantori, or maybe it's just something they've inherited as a, as, as a word and there's a bit of a, a blip in the Latin. But they, they do a very interesting thing with the, with the chant there. They're quite expressive, Sort of in the in the old solemn way of 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 really going for some of these those those rising uh, phrases, but they're also their text is slightly different from the Roman one, mm-hmm. and um, it would be interesting to see quite where their um, where their tradition is coming from. That psalm, for example, is not what's set in the Liber Usualis or in the um, in the Graduale Romanum. So they're doing something slightly different, presumably from a long-standing tradition. But yeah, it would be interesting to interesting to know what they're doing. Um, yeah, they look. They do look like they're a monastic tradition, uh, a community, from what I see on on the internet. And, yeah. and I just wonder whether, in fact, this is you know, they did their own editions at the same kind of time as as Solem were doing theirs. Um, these things are not as set as people think. I think sometimes you know, we have this idea that they have to be one particular way, whereas actually there's divergence all over the place with with, with how this music goes. <laughs> Anathema. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go for something completely different before I dig myself into a big hole there. Sure. Um, we decided that this Lent, we ought to do something around Kyrie's. Yes. So you know, uh, rather than start off with the chant one, which would be the obvious thing to do, especially since you've mentioned the Orbis Factor, here's a bit at least of um, the Kyrie from Guillaume de Machaut's Mass of uh, Master Notre Dame. Uh, so he died in 1377. So this is a 14th century piece from the Ars Nova from the High Middle Ages. It's, it's sort of sans parole here. It doesn't need a comment from me. such an incredible journey that that took one on and i the harmonies are very daring in that piece it's almost as if the uh, composers of the ars nova having ripped up the ars antiqua just decided we can go for whatever we want it's a bit like talis yeah. once talis has decided that those those dissonances work then he just goes for it and i think the same is true of guillaume de Macho to a certain extent um, I like that particular version from Ensemble Gilles Banchois. I wonder quite how um, how much further you could push the, produ- the, the production. It already sounds un- unlike the English choral tradition. And I wonder if you could take it further um, with more embellishment, with perhaps more nasal or more guttural singing. 
um, it's a it's a wonderful piece anyway. I just love it. Um, <laughs> I like that. This is going really far. I wonder if we can take it even further. <laughs> well, yes, precisely. I mean, what was it that appealed mm-hmm. to people enough to you know, write to Guillaume de Marchand and say you wouldn't fancy doing a another piece on or a secular motet on on this subject or because his his work in terms of uh music is not confined to church music and he had very very daring pieces as well in um uh in in the secular tradition even one that ends uh, has a chorus a, a line underneath it and je ne suis certain d'avoir ami mais je suis loyal ami i do not know whether i have a girlfriend but i am a loyal lover and that army <laughs> is used almost like it's an amen at the end of this secular motet <laughs> very you know somebody would have gone But that, you know, the Cardinal yeah. would have shifted uneasily in his seat while he was listening to that. I think he's a very, very daring co- composer. And that, and like you say, it takes you through all sorts. There's some heartbreaking harmonies in that. And that yeah. fall that keeps coming back again, there's, it's, it's almost a sigh. Um, mm. Yeah, and very appropriate as a as a Kyrie. I, uh, I noticed how there was a, somehow a bit of a shift when it came to saying to the Christ Day. There was. I would. I would have to sit down and look at it in more detail. But there is uh, definitely a kind of a sweetness that came in with saying um, the word Christ, and then it, it going does back. look like it, doesn't it? Yeah. I, and there is perhaps we are looking here at you know, looking into the face of Christ for mercy. Um, yeah. uh, though of course this is this is not necessarily a Lenten piece in itself, but it it works very well as a as a penitential, yeah. a very penitential Kyrie. I think. Yes, it does. It does. Uh, if you can pull it off or just to listen to it as a, a preparation for um, for Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like like we've said before, you know, what do you do with these long pieces of music um, or what did the 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 15th century, the 14th century church make of these long pieces? Why not just sit down and listen to them and let them flow over you? Um You don't yeah. need to be doing something in the liturgy all the time. Yeah. Well, I had a Any... very nice comment from someone who said they use the liturgical looking glass to prepare for mass. I thought it was quite a nice thing. Wow, that's amazing. Yes, that is amazing. <laughs> And that, that gives a seriousness to our apostolate here, doesn't it? Yeah. So this next piece, tell us a little bit about it. It's, it's okay. very so, beautiful. This is just a little bug, not so much a bugbear of mine, but we look a lot at Psalm 50 or 51, uh, the the Miserere during Lent. Mm-hmm. It is the the Psalm of penitence. If if we um, uh, the way that it is set set out suggests that this is David's own Psalm of repentance after his appalling behaviour um, with with Bathsheba, and I, I just. You know, I, I can see why we use that. I can also see why um, Allegri's Miserere dominates that because it is a virtuoso piece of music. However, particularly this week, but also you know throughout the uh, the early weeks of Lent, Psalm 90 has a special place. He who dwells on the shelter of the in the shelter of the Most High. We had it at morning prayer this morning. It was it's the response. It is He who will free me from the snare of the hunters. So it has a special place in the liturgy, and especially for this Sunday, because what we've got is the link to the gospel. It is the line that the accuser uses of Jesus saying, oh, come on, you've said in the Psalms, you know, he'll give his angels charge over you. Mm. And Jesus says, 
just cut it out. And each time, of course, Jesus re- returns to this by not saying, well, actually, it's my opinion. He just goes for the word of God. He goes for the scripture. And so here we've got the devil, if you like, quoting scripture to, to, to God and God quoting it back. You know, don't mess with me on this one. And I, I, I think it's a wonderful piece. Here we've got a slightly later than Guillaume uh, de Machaut, we've got Josquin Desprez and a very, very... Um, odd and listenable to and very meditative piece of um, He Who Dwells in the Shelter of the Most High, Psalm 90. How do you score that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's time <laughs> to dive into the Bodleian and find the score. I can um, just imagine everybody grinning at each other while they while they're singing that piece. It's so joyful. But of course, if you think about a part song book, that must be very, very difficult to sing with just your own part in front of you. Yeah, unless I mean, the, I imagine you could you could achieve a very similar effect with some kind of technique where you just say everybody kind of sings their lines in a certain rhythm. It's quite uh, repetitive. And then you have a conductor who brings it all back at a certain point. Uh, I've, I've done things like that and they work really nicely. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine it. I mean, we very often used to sing um, before COVID. We used to sing rounds uh, at the 9.30 of Blackfriars. And if if you've got enough people in the right places in the congregation to sort of lead it, they work quite powerfully and they give people a sense of joining in something big and complex, which is not a bad thing sometimes. Yes, yes. Now, I'm aware of the time, so I want us to get in as much music as we can before we have to call this to a close. Absolutely. Let us press on and listen to another bit from the same psalm. Same psalm, the Psalm 90, who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. What we've got here is an intriguing collection from the Choir of Trinity College, Cambridge. Well, what they've done is they've taken a whole load of Palestrina's offertory antiphons, and this is the one for for, for the Sunday that's coming. Same psalm, very um, different setting, but very similar spirit. Yes, he will conceal you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. And in the Latin, under his, under his wings you will have hope. 
I think that's mm. that's a, a that's a lovely version of what the, what this image is. And if like me, you keep chickens, you get the idea of this sort of the mother hen, <laughs> yes. um, which is not chickens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it comes in sometimes. Um, uh, you know that idea of the mother hen that shelter, shelters her young. I think is is beautifully brought out in in the Latin text. It's the same text, but of course not the same music um, as you would hear in the uh, in the communion antiphon as well for for today. We were having a discussion at Quiet Practice last night because we were doing this psalm of what pinions are, and uh, Fiona, the choir director, said, "I don't know what pinions are, but I really like this line." <laughs> Are they not wing feathers? So that's what what we discovered. But I thought that I always thought that they were the claws of the of the eagle. Uh, but I think you know feathers are a little bit more. Um, it's a bit more of an inviting image, isn't it? It is, it is. But don't get me started on birds at the moment. Not only have we got the chickens that I can see through my window here, but I spent yesterday um, falling in love with uh, a raven at a, a falconry centre. So let's let's not let's not go anywhere <laughs> near that, uh, or indeed Benedict and the ravens. That's, um, we are running out of time. We need to at least make some nod to the fact that next Thursday is the Sea of St. Peter the Apostle. Yes. And I thought that since we'd started with let's listen to some Kyrie's, let's listen to the Kyrie, or at least part of the Kyrie, from Palestrina's Mass Eterni Christi Munera, which is based on the Vespers hymn, The Eternal Gifts of Christ the King, the Apostles' Glorious Deeds We Sing. So without further ado, ado let's listen to the Oxford Camerata under Jeremy Summerley, recorded in Dorchester Abbey, not too far away from where I am. to pray for Pope Francis with the upcoming feast of the chair of, of uh, St. Peter. Absolutely. Absolutely. And time for us, I think, to say goodbye for this week, though. Welcome back again, Tim. It's nice to have you back. Lovely um, to be back. Thanks, Nick. Uh, good. That's great. So um, we always finish, if we can, with a um, an antiphon to Our Lady. And the obvious one to do is the plain Ave Regina Cedorum. Who have we got singing it, Tim? We have my favourite Benedictine nuns of St. Cecilia's Abbey on the Isle of Wight. So, so, we, so we, we welcome uh, <laughs> their, their contribution to us because they sing with such purity. It's just great. We'll listen to them. Um, anybody that, that is still around at 11 o'clock, I'll be back then. But I'm sure, Tim, you have various other um, interventions that you're going to do on Radio Maria today anyway. Perhaps, and, yes. <laughs> and perhaps and um we'll otherwise see you all next week um i hope you have a holy blessed start to lent Indeed. and uh, here here we have um Ave Regina Celorum. god bless everybody god bless
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Radio Maria, and thank you to all of you who support us with a monthly donation. We rely entirely on the generosity of our listeners to continue to be a Christian voice by your side. To find out more about how to support us, please visit www.radiomariaengland.uk.